you are an artist and your greatest masterpiece is your life, right? And you get to paint it, sculpt it, trace it, etch it, you know, flow it, move it in whatever way you choose. And so whatever that looks like is going to be, have its own unique expression to you, but know that you are, you are the creator and curator of it. So if you can imagine like, what does, what does that look like? Like if you could see a visualization of the masterpiece a la your life, what does it look like? It's almost like a, you know, a lot of people do, you know, vision boards, right? That's a great way to like kind of break year by year down and like your vision of what you would like to accomplish. It's like doing that, but like making the Sistine Chapel version of that. I really can't think of anything more important than waking up to your true self. I mean, once you do that, every single thing in your life changes. It's like a whole new world opens up. I used to look at my life and think, there has got to be more. There is, and this is it. I'm Paige, and this is Spiritual Twenties. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Spiritual Twenties. My name is Paige, and today's episode is one of those great back-to-basics, things you need to know, things that can help you today, right now, live a better life. We brought on my friend, Sevi Mangram. Sevi is an expert in holistic nutrition and behavioral coaching with an emphasis on physical fitness and the mind-body connection. He is the founder of Evokai Fitness and Health, which is a company that focuses on human performance and optimization. Sevi walks us through the pillars of holistic health, and we also just got to talking on stress on how we can get stuck in feeling like life is happening to us and not for us, how we truly do have the magic and the power to create our own life and design it. And so what does that look like? How can we go about doing that? This episode is packed with inspiration and motivation and information. Though I know I won't need to convince anyone of this after listening to the episode, I highly recommend everybody check out Sevi, not only on Instagram, but also check out his programs. His program, Pain to Power, is currently live on his website, evokaihealth.com. If you're feeling like the traditional diets and fitness programs are not working for you, this might just be the approach that you need. So head over to evokaihealth.com and check in with Sevi on Instagram. Of course, all of that will be linked in the show notes. I also want to remind you in the spirit of what Sevi and I talk about on creating your own life, the last episode that I released was a totally free, totally complete life visioning workshop. I host these workshops for my private clients, for studios, and I decided why not give it to you guys? It is not your traditional goal-setting, intention-setting workshop. I invite you to think outside of the box, to look at things differently, and really challenge you to dream bigger, aim higher. This is your one and only life, in case you forgot, and I desperately want you to make the most of it. So check out that last episode, and of course, if you are not connected with me on Instagram and signed up for my Sunday Shot of Soul newsletter, make sure you go ahead and do that either on my website, pageoxley.com, or on Instagram at page.oxley. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Sevi Mangram on the pillars of holistic health, stepping into your power to design the life of your dreams. Hi, Sebe. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm so, so good and so excited to be seeing your face and talking to you. And I'd love for you to uh, clue people in. Who are you? Tell us a bit about yourself, how you came to do the work that you do today. 
Absolutely. Uh, well, who I am, um, you know, really, I'm just a, a citizen, a citizen of, uh, of the earth, uh, trying to, you know, really touch, touch, move and inspire people deeply um, to, you know, really consider themselves as um, very pivotal beings in the, you know, creation and the continued evolution of this planet, really. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we all play a big role in, in how, how things shake out um, on a very micro and macro level. And I think people don't realize that <laughs> oftentimes is that like the choices that they make in the moment to moment play a big role and have a huge ripple effect on, uh, you know, their, their small circle, which then emanates out into bigger circles and bigger circles. And so, you know, my, uh, my purpose here in this lifetime is to, is to show people and, uh, you know, invite them into a conversation and deepen their awareness of their own powers that they possess and how it can make a huge impact uh, on the world. So yeah. that's, that's kind of it, it, it in a nutshell. Um, but the, of course, you know, we can get into more details of what that looks like and how that came to be and, and all of that. Um, but I just wanted to start it, start it off with that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And, and honestly, it's very, very similar to my, who I am and my reason for being. And I think that it's so exciting every time I hear somebody say something like what you just said, because it's really, it's new. It's a new thing to be somebody who's calling for people to remember their own power. You know, it's not, it's no longer buy this product and you'll be good. It's no longer the answer is outside of yourself. We're bowing down to whatever thing outside of ourselves. It's, I hear it so often these days and in the circle that I and we run in that, you know, personal power and self-mastery, if you run in these circles, you hear those a lot, but honestly, that's really new. These ideas are, are super new and I'm just so excited to, to be here, like you said, and, and be a part of it, to be a citizen and to be somebody participating in this movement of remembering that we are the power that we have the magic inside of us and the answers inside of us and I think you know especially in times like today where there's just utter chaos and we're seeing the collapse of our systems around us it's just so clear that the invitation is is to take back our power and to realize that we didn't need to look to any government or any anything, any, whatever outside of ourselves. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, things are inevitably always changing, but the degree in which change and transformation uh, happens seems to be at like a breakneck speed right now is like things are really becoming clear that there is a, there's dysfunction, uh, a lot of dysfunction, uh, you know, in, in government, uh, in the medical industry, um, in the pharmaceutical industry, in, you know, I mean, even in the scientific community, like, I mean, a lot of these like systems are in these paradigms are needing to be reshaped. Um, and it's, it's becoming very evident right now more than ever. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to really refine, polish, uh, go introspective and reflective and, and, and put, uh, the individual for the sake of the collective first, right? Cause you can't, you can't build a power collective or a powerful tribe or a community without individuals standing on strong foundations, um, you know, being aware of their own, uh, place within the collective. So yeah, it's, it's exciting times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that of the many areas that you and I align on, one of them more fundamentally is that we like to make things fundamental and, and break it down. And it seems like that's been a way that you operate in the world and especially in delivering your medicine. And holistic health is something that is a, is a pillar of yours and a pillar of mine. And I think that maybe we should just start by like, what does that mean to you? Holistic yeah. health. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, holistic health to me means, um, it's about a three, 360 degree approach to how you live your life, right? Is that, um, nothing is independent of anything else. Everything depends on, on one another, right? It's like, 
You know, if you have a structure, you have to have multiple pillars beneath it to keep it up. If you just have, you know, one pillar in the center of a, you know, of a top or a, you know, a, um, a foundation, it's going to, it's going to move around if you try to stand on it. But if you have pillars, you know, you know, three or four, you know, whatever the shape of the structure is, the foundation is you have, you're sturdy, right? You're grounded. So to me, holistic health is about having different pillars within how you approach your life that allows for you to have a rich, fulfilling, um, inspiring human experience. And so what are those pillars to you? So those, those pillars to me and how I live my, how I live my life by and how I uh, educate and uh, coach my clients and students is a system that I developed uh, and termed uh, the more system. And those three pillars are M, which is movements, O, which is optimization, and then the R, which is recovery. And so Within those three pillars, you have two paradigms in which those three pillars are built upon. So with movements, there's two ways in which you can approach movements. And the first being is one that we're more familiar with generally in terms of like the uh, general public, which is outcome-oriented movements, because obviously We've been indoctrinated uh, by trends and media of, you know, do this, this, and this, and you will get outcome dot, 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 right? You know, it's like, you know, you do uh, certain exercises and you will get the, you know, uh, aesthetic development of your butts, you know, or you will get, you know, lean abs or you know, this, that, and the other, which again, there's nothing wrong with because, uh, you know, also outcome-oriented movement can be something that you do so that the outcome is in performance and, you know, playing a sport and being good at your, you know, whatever the athletic endeavor that you want to improve at, which is fantastic. But it's only a very small way in which to approach movement. So I really encourage people to have outcome-oriented goals, right? Like if you have, um, you know, uh a, a bad shoulder and you need to build up strength there to improve, you know, whatever pain you might have, then you need to be doing certain shoulder exercises to build up strength so that the outcome can be less pain. Right. right. So totally good. And then also on the flip side, there is what I call process oriented movement. And that is movement that you do for the sake of movement. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're to rewind back into time and you think about, you know, all the indigenous tribes and the way in which we used to live before, you know, industrialized modern society, right. like people weren't going and lifting things up to develop their glutes. Right? <laughs> that just wasn't happening. Outcomes, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Can we believe it? Right. We've been so, uh, so told that uh, hip thrusters and kettlebell swings are like the, the, you know, the most important thing. They're all, uh, you know, it's like the new uh, in vogue uh, things to do. But so, you know, it's about returning back to that essence and doing movement for the sake of movement. So for me, one of my biggest process oriented uh, movements that I do is dance. You know, dance is uh, actually one of my foundational principles of how I got to where I got to in terms of the health and wellness industry is I uh, was dancing professionally from 16 to 22. And so my dance for me, it was never really about an outcome. It was never about burning calories or measuring my heart rate. It was about expressing my emotions and feelings where I didn't know how to express them really many other ways. You know, it was like, to me, I could express anger through a very explosive movement, or I could express sorrow through a very light, graceful, you know, articulation. Um, And that's something that we all need is that we need self-expression by way of movement. So when you balance those two out, you have a very holistic approach on the first pillar of movements. Mm, can we pause there for a second? I have so many thoughts. Uh, movement is, is really something that, I mean, again, just to break it down, like movement, right? Human body, what was it designed for? To run, to hunt, to fish, to procreate, to jump, to swim. And we sit on our asses in front of a screen all day, hunched over. And so, 
you know, just fundamentally, in case we needed to, to tee that up for anybody. It is so important that we move. And even like I'm somebody who gets up and stretches a lot throughout the day. And I've always been um, a consultant when I was in corporate and and working for myself now. So I have a lot of flexibility as far as, you know, I'm not in a, I've never been in a cubicle, but man, like even that is not enough. I still want to move so much more than I'm moving right now. And, and I, I think that I just want to hammer home that point between the difference between outcome oriented movement and process. Do what did you say? Process oriented or process motivated? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a difficult concept for people to just move the way that their body wants to move. Like that's something that I've said that I've heard other teachers say, and my background is in dance as well. And so for dancers or somebody who might have a similar background, it's okay, we kind of know what to do with like improv, right? Okay, I'm going to play a song and you just move how you want to move. But I think that for most people, that's like a full stop prompt. Like, I'm going to play some music and you just move the way your body wants to move. I know ecstatic dance is something that in the community that, that we've been in together is something that has been so transformational for so many people and others. But I'd love for you to just talk about that, um, maybe using ecstatic dance as as an example, but just this idea of what does that mean to just move how your body wants to move and that our body does know how it wants to move and needs to move. We just don't tap into that ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot to say in relation to that. And I think it, it goes back to um, essentially, again, indoctrination and societal norms and gender norms that uh, really push a lot of shaming on individuals. So I think that both men and women, especially a lot with men in relation to movement and movement that is, you know, very three-dimensional and very self-expressed is a very hard thing because, you know, men have been programmed into a very uh, linear box as women have as well, right? You know, this is what men do. This is what women do. This is how you move as a man. This is how you move as a woman. And I think that there's a lot of unraveling of that bullshit that has, you know, been spewed upon us, uh, you know, as society, not just, uh, you know, through gender. So, you know, it, it takes someone first that is ready, willing, and able to let go of, you know, the things that they've been told and their belief systems that have been instilled in them by way of what, you know, their influences has been through family, through culture, you know, so on and so forth. Because, you know, dance can be a, a, a very challenging thing for some people to give themselves permission to fully step into. Um, but I think ecstatic dance is a great container uh, for that. So is things like five rhythms, uh, so are things like, um, you know, my work in practice as well, even though the intention is more recovery based, um, it gives an opportunity for there to be novelty and newness. And so I think the big thing is as an individual that's going to explore process oriented movement by way of dance, because there's plenty of different styles of process oriented movement, um, because at the end of the day, they all correlate back to the fact of its movement for the sake of movement, is that reminding yourself of the dialogue that is you're moving for the sake of moving. You're not moving, you know, necessarily for uh, healing or not. You're not moving specifically for uh, therapeutic intervention, but you're just moving just to move, right? Like just to explore, just to get to know yourself better. And if you heal by way of that, great. If it provides you with some therapeutic revelation or spiritual connection, awesome. But really it's just move to move to move, you know? And um, I think it's uh, one of the powerful things that you and I have discussed a bit and within the container of the, you know, um, you know, circles that we run in is this idea of giving yourself permission, right? And when you grant yourself permission or you put yourself in a space or a set and setting that is supportive of giving yourself permission, it allows for you to fall deeper into the surrender and letting go for you to be able to express yourself freely. So yeah, that's kind of, you know, my little bits of insight on that is there's some, there's some layers to getting individuals who might be 
you know, a little bit challenged at self-expressing through movement. Um, but it's remembering that there is no outcome. There is no right or wrong. There is no good or bad. There just is. You either are moving for just moving or you're moving for a desired outcome. And again, there's, there's no right or wrong, but it's uh, something that I really encourage people to explore because, and not to go too deep on this tangent, but it's an important point to get across is that one of the four questions that a shaman will ask someone coming to seek their counsel is, when did you stop or when was the last time you danced? Because if you look back at indigenous cultures from everywhere in the world, from Asia to Africa, to Europe, to um, you know, here in North America and Native American tribes, they used dance as a foundation pillar for everything, right? They danced to call in the gods to help with rain so that their crops and agriculture could grow. They danced when there was a new child born into the tribe to, you know, bring them in and welcome them into the tribe and to, you know, you know, have them, uh, you know, have vitality and be able to support and pull their weight with the tribe. I mean, dance was, was everything. And so the fact that we've gotten so far away from that and it's been, you know, men have been told, uh, you know, you don't dance and you don't move your hips or that means that you're gay, you know, or for women, it's like, if you don't shake your ass or like, you know, show some skin, then, you know, men won't find you attractive, you know, or if you do, that means that you're a slut, you know, and it's like, this is all like the, like, it's ridiculous in tribes, even currently today there is none of that programming. Men move their hips. If you look at, you know, men in, you know, uh, Argentina, I mean, those guys are moving their hips with their, you know, salsa and flamenco dancing, like it's no one's business. Right. And those are the most manly men. Oh, yeah. And then you look at women in African cultures. I mean, they're getting, I mean, they're the ones that developed twerking. It mm -hmm. wasn't some like, you know, Cardi B or right. some, you know, I don't know who the hell. Uh, you know, they were, they were getting down and juking and grinding and twerking and doing all that stuff. And that was an empowering act. It was not a submissive act, yeah. you know? So we have to think about these things that go back to the essence of who we are. So again, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's really about just kind of understanding the history of these, of these things. No, thank you for that. I think it's so, so important to do that. And I love how you said being ready, willing, and able and giving yourself permission slash really those are the same things, right? Just deciding to do it is really the main thing. And I loved how you said about what our, our beliefs are around what it means if a man is moving in a certain way and why we can and the labels that we put on that. And I wanted to speak to that just again to hammer home what you already touched on which is that it's not about what it looks like so I know for me especially honestly especially growing up a dancer it's really hard for me to dance and to move my body in a way that I'm not thinking about what it looks like sure. and especially for, for women like looking sexy right like I feel a lot of pressure anytime I'm dancing and moving my body whether I'm completely alone or not, it's just so deeply embedded that there is this this thought about what do I look like, and that's just something that when we allow ourselves doing whatever, like, um, do you watch Friends? Uh, I don't, but if you're are you using the analogy of like Eileen or, or like whatever the female, I forgot what the, um, uh, what her name is, but when she does, is that is that what you're referring to? Her dancing, her like ridiculous dancing. Oh, oh, Elaine, and that's oh, no, Seinfeld. That, Seinfeld. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I love Sorry. that. Okay, totally, so totally Seinfeld, Elaine dancing, yes. But uh, there's a Friends episode for people out there where Phoebe is running in the park and she runs like just completely flailing all of her limbs like this, like that's how she runs. And so she goes running with Rachel in this episode and she, it looks ridiculous. They're like running in the Central Park. And so Rachel's like, oh my God, like we're, I'm not running with her anymore. It's so embarrassing. Like she runs like a crazy person. And then she ends up trying it. Rachel ends up trying it. And she's like, oh my God, this feels amazing. And it's like just to, such a good example of I've tried that. It actually does feel amazing to just run flailing all your limbs through the park. Like who gives a fuck? And so, yeah, I think that, I think that we, we murdered the, uh, the movement point, but it's something that I'm so passionate about and I'm so grateful that we can be talking about it because like you said, it's not even just that like 
yes, it's good for your health. It's our core nature. <laughs> and we've departed from it in such a serious way. And so I'm so just happy to be, to be bringing it back and to be shedding some, some light on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, also just kind of last little point before I move on to the, uh, the second pillar. And that is, you know, you think about movement and the ways in which the body can move is that there's, again, three is the big theme here. There's three planes of motion in which the body can move through. There's the linear, which is forward and backwards. There's the lateral, or they call the frontal, which is side to side. And then there's the transverse, which is rotational, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that we don't move our bodies that way generally, even when it comes to our outcome-oriented movement, right? You know, squats, very linear. Push-ups, very linear, right? Uh, Lunges, very linear. But it's like, what if we were to take movement and explore three dimensions and reach across the body as we twisted our arm and twisted and turned our neck, right? It's like, it gives you this, this exploration. Like you become the own, your own adventurer of your body and seeing what your body is capable of. And when you also do that, is it holds up all different lines in the body, which help make you become more durable and uh, stable and strong through odd positions or unfamiliar positions. So not only does it allow for you to, you know, get outcomes that might be sports specific or aesthetic, but it also helps you with your longevity by way of uh, strengthening your joints and your tissue. And that's one thing that dance really does is it explores the three dimension. Like there's no style of dance that just is always in the same plane of motion. Like maybe Irish dancing, like uh, (laughs) whatever, like river dance. But like, even then they're creating a little bit of like, rotation here and there but point being is that dance helps one really explore the planes of motion uh that the body is capable of moving through so it's Mm. really special yeah thank you all right give us the o so yeah so the o is uh optimization right and optimization is all about uh improving one's lifestyle through both the intangible and the tangible right so What I mean by intangible and tangible, and some examples of that is I'll start off first with tangible, right? So how do we optimize our well-being through tangible behaviors and habits? Mm -hmm. So two of the most prominent tangible behaviors and habits are what we're putting into our body that is physical, aka nutrition and supplementation. So one of the things that I've discovered by doing a lot of research and experimenting on myself with different Uh, diets with different protocols is that none of them are sustainable, right? (laughs) Is that every person that I've ever met and myself included is, you know, I've done carnivore, keto, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, uh, you you name it. I've tried all of them for 30, 60 days, like super committed, like just experimenting (laughs) with my body. And the thing that I've discovered is that everyone has a different energetic signature and biochemical, biological chemical signature in their body. So you have to really make sure that you're putting in the appropriate things that support your dreams and the harmony of your internal constituents in your body. So whereas chicken might work for someone and really help them, you know, with, you know, their protein and, you know, they assimilate it really well, it might be poison for someone else. So you really have to go and explore certain ingredients and, you know, uh, produce and products and things of that nature that are right for you and your individual makeup. And then with that too, is that you have to then find the supplementation that also fills the gaps that might be in the diet or in your approach to eating that um, are, are not there based upon the, you know, the foods that you're eating. Right. So those would be really like two clear, tangible ways of optimizing your human experience because certain foods and certain supplements will provide you with, you know, better joint health, right? Certain foods and certain supplements will help you with your cognition and your ability to recall certain words. Uh, Certain foods will help you develop muscle where maybe you have a weakness in the body and there needs to be, you know, uh, a protein synthesis that occurs and then you develop, you know, strength in that area. So, that would be a example of tangible um, implementations of uh, the optimization uh, pillar. Then you flip it and we think about intangible, right? So things that are not as physical, it's more things that are brought into the body through the senses. 
So thinking about something like, for example, the sense of smell, right? Your olfactory system. So one of those examples is that we're thinking about what things are affirming, right? Or reaffirming our dreams of having optimal health. We have to think about, okay, well, what is it that I'm absorbing through my olfactory system? So one of those things that I really advise all my clients do is to get really high quality medical grade essential oils, right? Because certain essential oils will provide certain responses, right? If you have issues with sleep, having chamomile or lavender oil will really help with you downregulate your nervous system so you become more relaxed so you can sleep better, mm. right? Smelling things like rosemary and cinnamon, right, can really help facilitate a cognition boost so that you can be more effective with work or with um, enunciation or speaking and things of this nature. Right? Mm -hmm. Whereas on the flip side, right, if you say, for example, you... Uh, you know, are you've got uh, you know food that is set out on the on the countertop that has been you know overly cooked, and you just bring smell apartment. That's not going to really be supportive of you. You're absorbing those fumes or that you know that smell in through your olfactory system, and that's going to you know provide you with either you know disharmonious feelings or emotions or things of that nature. Because again, everything is interconnected. Right. right. You might have, uh, you know, an alley that's back behind you and, you know, there's always garbage being, you know, dumped out there. And so you're constantly smelling garbage. That's not going to be very <laughs> uplifting and fulfilling for you. Right. right. And that's just one sense. That's just the sense of smell. Right. Then we think about also, too, is what are we listening to? So, for example, if we're listening to, you know, music that is like very hard and angry and intense and we're trying to you know bring ourselves to a relaxed state that's not really dream affirmative right? right but we might be listening to something that is very motivating it might be you know a podcast that we're listening to that gets us excited about something or motivates us to do something or we might be listening to music that is at a slower bpm and that might be down regulating us in preparation for getting to bed right so there's different ways that sound frequencies can either support and reaffirm our dreams or sound or noise can actually be a detriment, right? We could be listening to certain conversations or dialogues that are very venomous or very like angry or very, you know, on the attack. And that can provide us with a lot of disharmonious feelings. Yeah. So again, that's how the sense of sound. And then, you know, again, we can go and talk about the sense of taste and and, you know, the things that we absorb through our mouth, the sense of sight, right? What are, what's the content and media that we're looking at? If we're visually always looking at people that are in the same line of work uh, as us and they have a bigger following or something like that, and visually we see that, and then that sets off a certain thought pattern in the brain of comparison, I'm not good enough, I'm not further along than I should be, that's not really supportive, right? But if we're looking and viewing certain things that touch our hearts, that inspire us, that get us excited, Right, then those things are going to be affirmative of our dreams. So those are all intangible behaviors and habits and examples of optimization. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you. And I love that dream affirmative, by the way. What a, what a good mantra to have and a good question to constantly be coming back to is this dream mm -hmm. affirmative. And I think that all of those questions, all of those things, really what we're talking about is curating our life, curating our environment. And all that takes is a little extra sense of awareness and a little extra sense of presence and attention to our lives and recognizing, mm -hmm. right, that this is our life. Like we talked about, we started this episode by saying how beautiful it is that we have power and that we have magic and that we have the ability to create our own life and that's really what we're doing if you're awake and paying attention and so yeah like all of those things I have people come into my little office here and say oh my god it's so nice in here right why because I have an oil diffuser I have plants and you know these nice photos and Orion Mountain Dreamer and you know and it it looks aesthetically pleasing, right? So that's coming through my eyes and it and it smells nice and I if I'm working, I'll have alpha binaural beats on or a piano or you know and and it's just this little extra 
that that takes not much for me to be intentional about curating my environment, but it really is. I really enjoy being in here. And it makes me more productive and it makes me happier and all of the above. And so, and even with everything that I do is setting the space for, and just being mindful about it and giving yourself that extra level of attention and love, it really has actual effects and results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love no, that. No question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, space setting and creating an environment that's conducive for you um, in relation to the things that you desire and you want in life. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. What are we at? All right. Yeah, so we're at the uh, last pillar, which is R, which is recovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we speak about recovery, people might instantly hear like, recovery what do you mean like I'm, I don't have an addiction like I'm not only to be in recovery and it's like no recovery is so much more than that it's like we have to recover our physical bodies from being beaten up by our you know horrible postures sitting in front yeah. of the computer we have to recover our minds from sitting in zoom calls or being in me you know this that and the other we have to recover our spirits when we lose a disconnect with you know great spirit or source you know to come back to the understanding of you know oneness and and connection with the all and the everything and the nothing right so we have to recover so many different elements of it right every system in the body skeletal fascial uh, lymphatic, endocrine, hormonal, all those systems get their asses kicked by, by way of our lives, whether internally or external, uh, you know, um, damage that's done on them. So we have to recover them. And there's two, again, right. As we have our theme, right. There's two forms of movement two or two, uh, realms of movement, two realms of optimization and then two realms of recovery. And the realms of recovery are active and passive recovery. So active is when you're doing the recovery to yourself and then passive is when it's being done to you. Mm-hmm. So my favorite example of an active recovery practice is this movement-based stress relief practice working that I've developed uh, over the last two years, which um, I could we could do a whole hour podcast just on that. So I'm going to try to keep it kind of short yeah. and sweet. Um, and I always like to acknowledge my two mentors that inspired the the language of working around uh, it, uh, Paul yeah. Check and Michelle Dalcourt, uh, who really talked about the idea of working in to help our bodies recover from the wear and tear that we put on it from working out, right? So I basically took working in and made it a little bit more of that like Chicago flair. And so I <laughs> W-R-K-E-N. So it's got a little of that like lingo to it. Um, so the whole idea with that practice is the intertwining of movement, but movement that is therapeutic and subtle and graceful. Breath, right? Because breath can be a huge catalyst for recovering our nervous system. So it's a very controlled, slow inhale through the nose, light, effortless exhale through the mouth. And that breath is synchronized with each of the movements. And then the third element of working is connection. So connecting to your external environment. So it could be the sand beneath your feet if you're outside. It could be you know sun on your skin. It could be the feeling of a breeze blowing through your uh, you know your apartment if you're home doing the practice. And then connecting with the internal framework. So what are the emotions and feelings that you're currently experiencing, and being able to allow them to be felt fully. So really having a truly felt experience, right? It's not an outcome experience, but really just a felt experience with no, no, no pressure, no force, just feel. So that's a great form of active recovery because you're actively moving your body while you're actively breathing and while you're being aware of your feelings and emotions and external environment. Another form of active recovery would be foam rolling, right? Mm -hmm you know, uh, hydrating the fascia by way of getting on a, you know, a roller or a ball and moving tissue around. Mm -hmm. Um, Another form of active recovery would be tapping, right? So it's part of a Qigong practice. We were basically working up the different meridians and different uh, channels to help uh, hydrate and to create circulation to the governing organs of the body. So another really great active recovery strategy. Mm -hmm. Then when we flip the script and we think about passive recovery, the most well-known form of passive recovery is something that we all do every single night, and that is sleep, 
right? Yeah. But most people sleep horribly, right? Or they don't get a optimal night's sleep. So thinking about different strategies and behaviors to support your sleep and getting into those deep REM cycles, right? Where a lot of that recovery is happening. Because while you're sleeping, you're essentially recovering your, your brain, you're recovering your body, you're recovering your nervous system, right? All those things that are needed to really be a, you know, well-functioned, highly, finely tuned machine. Right. So sleep is a form of passive recovery. And then if we flip the script and we think about recovery, recovery of the spiritual and, and mental and emotional body, we think about things that are a little more esoteric or taboo, like plant medicine work, mm-hmm. right? Because essentially the, the medicine's doing the work on you. You're not doing shit, right? right. Ayahuasca is, is, is doing its number on you, right? Peyote is doing its number on you. Bufo is doing its number on you. And it's helping you recover your connection with your essence. And your essence is the essence of God, right? Because we are we are God, each one and every one of us, right? There is no, we are made in the image of God and therefore we are God. So it helps you reconnect and recover that part of your to the one, the all, the everything, right? The alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending. So that would be another form of passive recovery. And so again, right, you can look at it in so many different ways and I can give more and more examples, right. But just for the sake of time, that is the R, right. The two active and passive, right. Paradigms and realms of recovery. And so to bring things full circle, right. So you're going to think about a triangle, right. You've got your movement pillar, you've got your optimization, you've got your recovery. When you implement those three pillars, you're left with the thing that every human being wants more of, and that's energy. Because you no longer have the thing that is chronically kicking our asses, and that is stress, right? Stress is the number one killer because you don't have pain unless you have stress, right? Because stress is the acute version of pain. That's the way I like to express it. I mean, other people might say, within this certain framework, this is exactly how things work in the stress pain response. It's like, no, there's always so many different ways to look at it. So when the body is stressed out and it's not taken care of, it creates pain. And over time, that pain turns into a continuous trauma that continues to loop over that pattern over and over again. But if you can move your body in novel ways and express yourself fully, if you can smell into essential oils and you can eat foods that really make your body feel strong and healthy and energized, if you can get a good night's sleep, if you can, you know, go and tune in and connection with spirit and source, there's not a lot of stress. There really isn't. And therefore that stress won't turn into pain. So then you are empowered because you have all this energy to continue that cycle over again of doing more movement, doing more optimization strategies, doing and recovering your body better and better. And life just becomes so fucking rich and beautiful. It's so good. It's so good. And it's, it's, it's striking just to hear you explain it so beautifully because it's like, I don't think that anybody listening has never heard before that we should be yeah. getting a good night's sleep, that we should be moving, that we should, right? It's like, but we're not doing it clearly. Like that's just not how we live. And so it's just so amazing how difficult it is to do the thing that is most natural for us to do. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's difficult, but it's that it's going to require all of your intentionality to do it because that's just not like we've been saying, it's not what we've been conditioned to do. And I think that stress, right? Like you said, it's, it, sticks in the body and it's something that I'm still experiencing moving stuck energy through my body to this day from who knows how long from my whole life right maybe past lives even that's that's a whole other conversation but once we are using all of these practices that we all have every single one of us has these practices at our disposal it's with stressful situations come up but you have all the tools to move it through. And the nature of everything is flow. The nature of the universe, right? Everything is constantly changing. Everything is flowing through. We are an emanation of the universe, like you said. Why would we be any different? It's, it's that we cling to and hold on to our stressful experiences that makes them stuck and that causes this dis-ease in the body, right? Disease. Mm-hmm sometimes in the body or 
and all of the manifestations of this mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how, you know, depression, anxiety, all of these more chronic manifestations of stress, all the, the root is all the same. And I think that what's so, I love so much about this conversation is that we're talking about the same thing that many people are talking about, except that you have all of the answers and all of the resources to literally solve this problem instead of just slapping a Band-Aid on it. And of course, sometimes Western medicine is is called for and maybe it's something that, that will help and that's obviously a case-by-case basis, but everybody has these at their disposal, these natural ways, natural in the sense that they're natural and of the earth and also they're the practices that humans have been using for millennia. And so... Yeah, I think that it's just so important to talk about what are the main things people come to you and I coaches for. It's stress. What is everybody always facing? It's stress. And the answer is these things that you've described, this holistic approach. I really, truly believe that. And I think that, yeah, you had a post the, you had a post the other day that I really loved at talking about how we are all artists. And as somebody who would identify as an artist, I love this I love this sentence because it's so true that of all of the artistic talents, whatever abilities that I have, I'm a singer, I'm a dancer, I'm a musician, I'm a writer, I'm a songwriter, right? Like all of these, I'm an artsy gal. I believe that the number one reason that I'm an artist is because I truly am creating my life. And I would just love to hear your kind of riff on that because I was just so excited when I saw that post and I really think that it's something that if we can nail anything home for people I want it to be this that we are creating our own life and you just gave us so many amazing tools to do that in the best way possible yeah yeah absolutely um you know I think that you know, the thing that I was thinking about in writing that was a an invitation to individuals to um, reconsider the way in which they view themselves and the way in which they view their life. Um, because a lot of people I find or notice that um, they almost become at the effect of their life. Like it's like life is like just coming at them and they're like, oh, you know, like they're like just trying to like block and like move around it. And it's like this thing that's happening to them, right? I mean, I, this phrase has been so like, you know, played out by every single person, but it, it really resonates. It, there's a reason why so many people use it, but it's like, you know, if you can witness things as happening for you instead of to you, then the paradigm starts to really shift. Uh, you know, the purpose of that was is to basically tell people, listen, like you're an artist, even though you may not have a very specific draw towards, you know, tapestry, making tapestries or dancing or, you know, poetry, like you are an artist and your greatest masterpiece is your life, right? And you get to paint it, sculpt it, trace it, etch it, you know, um, you know, flow it, move it in whatever way you choose. And so whatever that looks like is going to be have its own unique expression to you but know that you are you are the creator and curator of it so you know if you can imagine like what does what does that look like like what does the what does like if you could see a visualization of the masterpiece a la your life what does it look like it's almost like a you know a lot of people do you know vision boards right that's a great way to like kind of break year by year down and like your vision of what you would like to accomplish it's like doing that but like making the Sistine Chapel version of that oh, where yeah. it's like you see like your entire life from like the moment you die and it's like reverse engineered and like all the places that you've visited the kind of relationships that you've had the behaviors characteristics ways of being a personality traits that you admire that you embody uh the the big uh, bold moves that you've made in your life, the requests that you've made of people, um, you know, the, you know, different career paths and the things that you've sharpened your sword at and become maybe a master at one thing with maybe, but then also you've uh, developed certain skills in other areas. And it's like, that's a beautiful picture. Can you imagine all those things, like what that would look like? And so really it's just showing people that, Hey, listen, you know, this thing that we call life, like, 
you know, grab it, grab it and like use it and create beautiful colors with it, you know? And, you know, that might mean actually drawing and creating a masterpiece, like a tangible masterpiece of what your life would like to look like. It might just be, you know, two or three colors that you love and it can be different, you know, shapes and dots and those dots might correlate to, you know, uh, travel and the, the triangles that you draw might correlate to personality traits, you know, like it doesn't matter what it looks like. The beautiful thing is, is you get to express it however you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so really that's kind of the driving point behind that post is like letting people know that, um, you know, it's, it's up to you and, and to make it your own. And there's no, there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. There's no color that you have to use. There's no palette or uh, stencil or tool that is necessary for it to look the way in which you think that it should. Um, it's just totally, it's completely up to you. Oh, I love that. Thank you. And, and the, what's coming to me now too, to add to that is, and you can also rip it off and start a new sheet whenever you want to. That's a big one that that people don't give ourselves permission to do, but you absolutely do have permission to just hit erase, delete, 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 and start over anytime. Absolutely. Mm. I could talk to you all day, but I know we have to to wrap up for now, but tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously a great place is on Instagram, which is at Sevi, S-E-V-E, Mangrum, M-A-N-G-R-U-M. Um, and I put a lot of things out there through, uh, Instagram. And then my website is evokai health, E-V-O-K-I health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And, uh, basically through those two resources, you can find out about my 90 day holistic health coaching program called pain to power fair, you know, uh, symbolically enough. Um, and, uh, that's just a beautiful program where I, uh, basically guide people through the more system and teach them all of these different behaviors and habits, uh, along a 90 day journey. And then, uh, in spring, uh, end of spring, summer, 2021, I'll be releasing the digital program of work in. Uh, so that's coming soon. But in the meantime, I host zoom digital workshops, uh, with that. And then also do ones live here in Venice, California on the West side of LA for those that are in this, uh, this part of the country. Yay. Oh man. We'll have all that linked in the show notes and I'm so excited Maybe we'll have to have you on again to talk about work in when, when we get closer to that because there's so much more to say, of course, on this. But thank you. This has been so, so awesome. So much medicine in this conversation. Thank you for having me, Paige. I really appreciate you and everything that you're up to and, you know, spreading, spreading good words and, and uh, you know, beautiful beings that uh, are here to, again, right, make, uh, make you know, ripples in the, uh, in the world and in the universe. So, um, you know, let's keep it, keep it moving in the, in that direction. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and I am so grateful to play even the smallest role in your journey to living a more authentic, more aligned, more wild and free life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, and I'll see you next time.